Hi everyone, this is Abby Fanlow. I'm a PhD candidate in political science at Stanford University, focusing on international relations. And when the Russian invasion of Ukraine broke out, I started sending voice notes to friends, answering their questions, and it grew an interest, so I decided to start a podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are my own. Now let's get started. So today's question is what is the goal of sanctions on Russia? And more broadly, what is the goal of all of the economic measures that we've seen countries impose on Russia, including the recent announcement to ban Russian oil and gas imports and decisions that we've seen from prominent U.S. businesses to pull out of Russia? So first, it's really important to note that a lot of experts are actually asking this question themselves. They're trying to determine both what is the goal of this economic warfare and will it work? So in this episode, I'm going to discuss a few potential goals that might be motivating sanctions and these other economic measures, as well as whether they are likely to work in light of those goals. So the first and perhaps like most obvious goal of these economic measures is punitive, essentially to punish the violation of territorial sovereignty by Russia by making it clear that you cannot act in this way without some level of significant punishment. And it's clear that the sanctions and the other economic measures are having a very significant impact on the Russian economy. Um, and it's important to note that this level of sanctions um, are really unprecedented. So if the goal is purely to punish Russian behavior, then these measures are sort of getting to that aim. However, another way to think about these economic measures is as an effort to actually change Russia's behavior in Ukraine. And if we think about concern for Ukraine's sovereignty and concern for civilians on the ground, um, ideally we're not just punishing Russia, we're actually trying to change their behavior in Ukraine. Um, however, it seems unlikely that the measures are going to actually change Putin's calculus. He has been preparing the Russian economy to withstand sanctions to some extent for a long time. And given his very clear commitment to this invasion, it's difficult to imagine that he's just going to decide to change his behavior given the Russian economy is crumbling. So then the final way I think to understand the goal of sanctions is to create circumstances that might foster regime change in Russia. And in the initial days after the sanctions were imposed, a lot of people were focusing on the potential that these sanctions could lead oligarchs in Russia to overthrow Putin or at least force him to change his behavior. Um, because these sanctions were really going to change the lifestyle of these oligarchs and their ability to actually access their foreign assets. Um, that being said, I think it's really important to note that the oligarchs in Russia do not actually have any political power. In the 1990s, after the Soviet Union collapsed and under the leadership of Boris Yeltsin in Russia, oligarchs did have both economic and political power. But when Putin took power in the early 2000s, he essentially said to the oligarchs, um, you can have economic power, I'll let you do what you're doing economically, but you're not going to tell me anything about how to run this country and you're not going to have any political power. And that is a bargain that most oligarchs seem to have accepted. And so even if these oligarchs aren't able to access their foreign assets, their lifestyles change, they don't actually have a lot of power over Putin. Where Putin's political power really comes from is from the security services. So Putin 
um, was in the FSB, which is the Soviet Security Service. Um, he served in East Germany towards the end of the Cold War. Um, and the security service now in Russia is essentially what protects the regime from internal and external threats. So, for example, if there were large-scale protests on the streets, the security service would be responsible for addressing those protests and handling them, in addition to local police, etc. Um, so Putin really has a lot of his power because the security services um, support him. And again, he came from the security services, so there's a close relationship there. And furthermore, um, Putin has also support from the military, from what we can understand. And so to actually envision Putin being overthrown, it's likely that the security services and the military, or at least one of them, would have to defect and would have to decide that they no longer wanted to support Putin. Um, what would this look like? I mean, in reality, what that might look like is the um, members of the security service being really impacted by these economic measures, seeing their fellow citizens, their family members, and perhaps themselves really suffer economically and deciding that this isn't worth it. Um, and perhaps they change their stance towards protesters and dissent within Russia and defect from supporting Putin. Um, but most people that I've listened to, most experts in Russian um, governance and, and in how the Russian regime works, agree that in order for Putin to actually be overthrown, there'd probably have to be both an elite defection and also a popular mobilization. Um, and this gets to sort of the other side of what sanctions might achieve. Um, perhaps sanctions are intended to really cripple the Russian economy so the population is willing to go out into the streets and essentially demand a change in behavior by Putin's regime. And then if they were out in the streets demanding a change to Putin's behavior or demanding Putin be overthrown, and the security services had sort of shifted their perspective on Putin and were willing to defect, we might actually see a situation where, for example, Putin orders the security services to fire on protesters and they refuse. And we start to see the circumstances under which Putin could actually be overthrown. However, this is still highly, highly unlikely. First, I think it's important to note that there's actually research in public opinion um, and economic measures that suggests imposing sanctions on a foreign adversary can actually backfire and lead the population of that foreign adversary to become more supportive of the regime rather than less supportive. Now, that research is all done in hypothetical situations. And again, we've never seen sanctions of this extent, but I think it's still an important caveat to note. We have no idea whether these sanctions are going to lead to mass mobilizations. I also do want to note that there are Russians protesting in the streets already. It's just not to the extent that would be required um, for there to be an actual threat to Putin's power. Um, and again, just to emphasize, we'd probably also need to see the security services defect. So to recap, sanctions may be purely punitive. They may be intended to change Putin's behavior or they may be intended to create conditions under which we could actually see regime change in Russia. And it's possible that policymakers are imposing sanctions with all of these goals in mind. It seems like sanctions are likely to be successful as a punitive measure. They are having a significant impact on the Russian economy. They seem unlikely to change Putin's behavior in the short term. And it's possible, though still unlikely, that they'll lead to regime change in Russia.
Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow on whatever app you are listening on. And don't forget to send me your questions at fopo.podcast at gmail.com. And I'll look forward to answering them in a future episode.